Ladies and gentlemen, the RPA family would like to wish you and your loved ones a very happy and safe holiday season. Oh yeah, we love you. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hey, this is Ryan Denmark, the director of Hell's Heart, and you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show. I'm a writer, musician, and filmmaker. On this show, we are going to go ahead and discuss horror and read some horror fiction. So sit back, turn out the lights, and enjoy the show. All right, welcome to Aaron's Horror Show. I'm your host, Aaron Frail, and this week we are going to go ahead and talk about a gem of cinema. Is it The Shining? Is it The Blair Witch Project? Is it Stranger Things? No. It is Zombievers. Yep, Zombie Beavers. I can't do a show without doing some campy horror once in a while. In fact, I have a soft spot for this campy horror genre. It's kind of a horror comedy. When you think about it, it's it's a... The best of comedy and the best of horror, and you mash it all into one, and I love the genre. I have a friend that actually really hates horror comedy. He is kind of a horror purist when you think about it. He really likes movies to be really a slow build. Very scary, very spooky. And then it gets ya! Yes, that is my friend who, uh, you know, think about the, the original Grudge movie. Uh, I'm not talking about the Sarah Michelle Geller. I'm talking about the uh, Japanese grudge, you know. Uh, he, he likes these really slow-building movies. Or Alien, the very first Alien movie. It's very slow, but it's very horrifying, right? You know, this creature killing people off. Oh, God. Terrible. Zombievers? No, no, no. No slow build here. Yep, now first scene, we got two truckers. And these two truckers are none other than... Some guy, forgot his name, and John Mayer. Yeah, whoa, whoa, John Mayer, what? Yeah, John Mayer, yeah, singer-songwriter John Mayer. I'm serious. He plays scary trucker guy number one. In fact, I had no idea that it was John Mayer the first time I saw it. I'm not, you you know, you know, well, I'm kind of a heavy metal dude from way back. You know, Metallica, Megadeth, stuff like that. Uh, In fact, I met Megadeth twice, but that's a story for another time. Uh... But either way, you see John Mayer at the at this uh, at the beginning of this, and he's scary truck driver guy, and this toxic waste falls off the back and goes downstream and runs into a beaver dam, and bam, you got the Zom Beavers or the Zombie Beavers. In case you didn't really know what Zom Beavers meant, really, I don't know. Anyway, so you know you get a group of teenagers they go up to the cabin in the woods and 
in that group of teenagers is none other than the star power of Rachel Melvin. If you haven't seen Rachel Melvin, she is a plucky sidekick number two in the Fox hit TV series, Sleepy Hollow. And I mean hit by the Fox canceled TV series, Sleepy Hollow. So maybe Sleepy Hollow was a hit for three seasons. It was really good. I I, I kind of liked it. It was this weird, uh, oh, by the way, spoiler alert, I'm going to be talking about things in Sleepy Hollow that if you haven't seen it, you might be spoiled. So go watch it and then come back to this podcast in case you uh, don't want to be spoiled. But anyways, Sleepy Hollow was this uh, series where this guy kind of you know he he's a revolutionary revolutionary war hero he you know dies in the beginning of the series and then comes back to the modern age and then he meets a detective who's on the police force and they fight evil together and it's actually really good i mean i mean it, it sounds silly yes but i mean the one of the things that was brilliant about sleepy hollow is that tom maison the maison maison i don't really know how to pronounce his name he was the the revolutionary war hero that uh, was talking about oh by the way his name was Ichabod Crane, huh? Sleepy Hollow, get it? Anyways, uh, he his character had these really brilliant moments where he was kind of confounded by the modern age, and uh, he had to, you know, sort of figure out things like iPhones and text messaging and and movies and renting an apartment and I, I you know, like his confoundedness of the modern age was like one of my main, like, I love this series, you know, like, it was really, really kind of hilarious. Yeah, they were fighting demons every week, and, 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 and go, go the forces of good, but, uh, man, that character was really good. And, and the other character, the, the, his partner in crime, Abby, she was a great character, too. She had a lot of backstory, uh, she was originally kind of screwed over by this demon when she was a kid, and and you really felt for her, and she was sort of the main thread that kept the entire series going, and, and you really just wanted to see both of them succeed, and then Abby leaves the show, or she gets killed, or whatever. I really think it's probably the, the person who plays her decided, you know what, Sleepy Hollow, that was fun, I'm out, I'm going to go do some other things with my film career and so she leaves the show and I kind of felt at that point where they killed her character off because she's one of the two main characters that the show's over it's done uh and you know my wife and I have a TiVo and so we uh don't necessarily delete things off our TiVo list and then one day I see whoa Sleepy Hollow has a new episode what the heck I thought that was canceled Apparently it wasn't. They made another season. And this new season was strange. This new season was the revolutionary revolutionary war hero guy, Tom Mizon. He comes back alive like he, you know, did. And then he goes to Washington, D.C., meets an entirely new cast of characters, and fights evil in Washington, D.C. And it was kind of weird. Because... We had this whole investment in the town of Sleepy Hollow, and uh, we had this investment with all the other characters around it, and sure, you killed off one of the two main characters, but there's still all the other people in Sleepy Hollow. Uh, no, no, we're just going to go ahead and ignore all that, start an entirely new season, and there you go. 
that's the weird season. And Rachel Melvin is plucky sidekick. She plays this sort of museum person that that is in one of the uh, Smithsonian's, I believe. And uh, you know, she's she knows about evil, and and there you go. That's her character. Uh, so back to Zombievers. Zombievers. Rachel Melvin and her buddies go up to a cabin, and they see a bunch of zombie beavers. Yeah. A bunch of zombie beavers. And really, you think that's really going to be about it. You know, a bunch of teenagers fighting for their life for zombie beavers. But no, there's a plot line in there of this three-way love triangle. And the three-way love triangle, you know, I, uh, this is where I kind of have a critique of the movie. I felt that it didn't really play out as much as it should. And you're like, wait, whoa, Aaron. Zombie beavers, come on. Do you really care about the three-way lug triangle thingy? That's just, yeah, what, what? Zombie beavers, man, pay attention to those. No, but, you know, so sue me. I, I, I want my characters to be well-rounded, even if they're in this really sort of absurd, ridiculous situation that probably would never happen. I still want to know that my characters are kind of real people beyond the movie. You know, as soon as my characters are not a real person, I kind of step out a little bit and I start using my analytical brain. I don't really necessarily feel for them and emote for them. And this three-way love triangle that they have going on in the movie, that was sort of my ticket into their emotional lives. But it didn't necessarily pan out. So let me go ahead and give you a description of what's going on. So you have this girl in the beginning. She finds out that her lover is cheating on her and then later on you find out that Rachel Melvin her best buddy is one of the people that she is that that he is cheating on and so you have this situation where the three of them are fighting zombievers and also to figure out this emotional re- relationship between them however they're really just fighting zombie beavers this emotional relationship between them doesn't necessarily pan out So, let me tell you what I mean. The characters don't necessarily have an internal life beyond the situation that they're in. And I think in order to make something really get you invested in this movie, they gotta have something that's going on that's not necessarily part of the plot, like the zombie beavers, that gets you into their world, that gets you really in. So let me talk about character de- character development for a second here. So uh, character development. So let's pretend I have a guy. He's my hero. He's hot, hunky. He walks into a convenience store and he talks to the clerk and he says, hello, clerk. What are you doing today? And the clerk says, Hi, I am here working at this convenience store. And the hero says, well, that's great. That means you can give me directions to Townsville, USA. I really need to find Townsville. And the clerk says, oh boy, I'm going to go ahead and tell you where Townsville is and then describes to him where Townsville is. That's kind of an undeveloped character situation, right? Because they're sort of cardboard cutouts. The clerk, in particular is only there to serve the hero, right? They don't really have a life beyond that. They're just there because the hero happens to need directions. So 
what happens if we go ahead and we add a little bit of uh, some dimensions to their character? So, you know, the hero, kind of hunky, right? Well, what if he is really self-conscious about himself? And what if, what if he doesn't have a high self-esteem? And so a lot of the sort of, like, like bravado that he shows is because he, he has really low self-esteem. And so that plays differently. And then also the clerk. What if the clerk is, like, this dude that's been working there 20 years and really hates being a clerk and really hates customers for asking him for stuff because he's been working there for 20 years and he figures that people should know by now how to get to the next town. There's maps. They even sell the dang maps. All right. So we got these new little bit of character developments. We have a hero with low self-esteem and then we have a kind of belligerent clerk. Let's see how the play, how, how this little scenario works out with some character development. So the hero comes in. Hello. Hi there, clerk. How are you doing? Dude. What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm just here to, well, ask you for directions to the, uh, next town owner be, uh, uh, uh because I'm, I'm cool. And, and that's what I do. Cool things. <laughs> I want my mom. And then the clerk responds with, Dude, really? The next town over? It's literally the next town over. Like, like, look at a map, dude. Like, like, you got, you got Google Maps on your phone? Yeah, GPS, why don't you just go ahead and program wherever you're going and find out the directions to the next town that way? Or, or better yet, a map. Look, we sell them, dude. Four ninety five map next town over. Oh, you know what, dude? I'm just gonna give you this map for free. Take the map later. Ah, see, look at that. There's way more emotion in the way those two characters interacted with each other. Yeah, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you know, I also am kind of a a, a comedy person. In fact, Hamlet the Vampire Slayer, the movie that I co-wrote, that's a horror comedy, but it's more comedy than horror it's it's <laughs> a lot of comedy a little bit of horror so anyways i exaggerate but you kind of see the difference right the 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 two scenes one one scene the the care the the clerk is a little bit more standoffish the other scene the character the 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 clerk is a little bit more helpful and and you really when you think about character development the the characters have their own internal lives outside of the plot of what's happening and that's kind of where my critique of Zombievers comes in, is that this three-way love triangle I didn't feel was really well kind of plotted out. I didn't really know what was going on. I, 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 I watched the movie, and I knew there was a three-way love triangle, but I didn't really know what they all felt about this. I mean, if you think about it, the one who was cheated on, she could have had different emotions about the the guy that that cheated on her she could have really loved him she could have been the one that he was the one i was going to marry this dude and then he cheated on me or you know what what if it was like you know he wasn't the one i was going to break up with him anyways you know if you think about those two different scenarios they play a lot differently and then what about the guy 
what about the guy? What if he, he, does he, does he cheat a lot? Is this something that's a habit with him? Does he not like himself because of it? Uh, or does he really like himself because of it? Because those two are different scenarios, right? Like if he's cheating and feels like it's like this weird addiction that he can't control and feels really guilty, that's going to go ahead and play differently than if he feels like, yeah, man, this is what I do. I'm a good player. I go ahead and manipulate her, manipulate her. I go, well, you know what I mean? And then Rachel Melvin, who was the one that was the one that cheated on with the guy, does she love him? Was he just sort of some revenge thing from another boyfriend? Like, I don't know why she was in this. She was just sort of there to be the person who he cheated on with. She didn't really have any motivation in that. You know, I, but, so I, I felt that there was like that little moment which could have brought us into their lives a little bit didn't really pan out. Uh, and I, I think that's when you look at a really campy movie just a tiny little tweak can turn it into this campy movie that you really like, oh, that was fun, and then you forget about, versus a campy movie that you're like, oh my god, this campy movie is amazing, I want to tell all my friends, you should go watch this movie, watch it on Netflix, here you go, you know what I mean? And that's the difference. I think having that little bit into the internal character really makes the difference. And you don't necessarily need to have, you know, a, a, a one type of movie or another to have that. You can have it in a very fluffy movie. Uh, if it's there, it, it makes all the difference. Anyways, that's my rant for the day. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and go on to Tuners. That's right, Tuners Chapter 4, after the break. Chapter 4 For the entire time John was grounded, he researched on the internet. His dad was thrilled about how studious John had been. He commuted the sentence by two days and returned the skateboard early. Had his father known John was going down the rabbit hole to crazy town, there would be more worry than accommodations. John chased down all the points in the crazy guy's video. They seemed to have a hint of truth to them. The man from Turid seemed to have really happened. He pointed to a map and insisted the country called Andorra was really Torrid. The man even disappeared at night, maybe making it back to his universe. There are other stories, too, of a man in 1851 from a country called Laxaria on the continent of Sacria. There is even a story about a woman who woke up one day and went to her office, but it was not her office at all. The people she worked for were different people. When they did find her desk, it was on a different floor with a different supervisor. It was like she woke up in a parallel universe that was close to hers, but not quite hers. However, John's dad was an engineer and a man of science. He taught John to be skeptical. The articles of parallel universes were all on websites that ranged from questionable to unknown to just plain crazy. There was no way to know if they fact-checked any of the stories. 
His dad taught him to deal with some amount of skepticism on the internet. People can claim anything they wanted. Didn't make it true. So far, John didn't have any proof other than the books in his basement and the woman he had witnessed. While they were pretty spooky, the books could be a printing error, and who would believe his story about what happened at the mall? The evidence he gathered wasn't enough to convince anyone that he wasn't just crazy. And that was the problem. He wasn't quite sure if he was crazy, and maybe he was making all this up from a misprinted book from his childhood. Delusional people didn't know they were delusional. I mean, maybe that's why he wasn't, because he 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 was thinking maybe he could be delusional. You know, that's why when he was no longer grounded, instead of meeting Rashawn, he decided to go to the mall instead and find some proof that it was real or that he was making it up. The mall banned him from the premises, but he didn't care. It wasn't like they could arrest him. Mall cops could just yell at him and tell him to take a hike. John skated through the mall parking lot and flipped the board into his hands. When he got close to the doors, he was still listening to music via his earbuds when he went to the Forever 21 where he first saw Abby. She wasn't there. He walked over to where he saw her appear. There was a noise in his headphones. It was a weird hum. He pulled out his earbuds and looked around. It didn't look like anyone else had heard. People were shopping like usual. He put his headphones back on his ears and the hum came back. He endured the sound and looked around. Everything seemed normal. He turned to leave the store when he walked away from the spot where Abby first appeared and the sound went away. He hopped in and out of the place where Abby had appeared. The hum would overpower everything and then it would fade back into normal music. A clerk must have been watching him because she said, Can I help you? John was too excited and shoved his earbuds into her hands. Can you hear this? She looked at the earbuds and said, Oh yeah, I love this band. Is there a weird humming sound? Here, stand in this spot. The clerk shrugged and did what he asked. Oh, it sounds fine to me. Maybe it was just a loose connection. Hey, let me show you our punk-inspired collection. It just came in. I'm sure you'd like it. I've got to go, John said, and left the saleswoman standing there. John went back to the five-way intersection where Abby had disappeared with the man. He walked down the service stairs and went to the same spot she blinked out of existence. The strange hum came back, just like before, the noise would only happen when he was standing in the exact location of the disappearance. He walked up and down the stairs and it faded as he got further up the stairs. At the bottom of the stairs it came back. The mall cop from earlier came to the top of the stairs. His arms were full and he said, I do I recognize you. You are big trouble. You know you can't come back here. Before John can say a word, a man walked up behind the guy with a taser. The man was wearing a black hoodie, and the hood was shrouding his face. He thrust the taser into the guard's side, and the pudgy man dropped to the floor. His body shook as the man in the hoodie stepped over him and came down the stairs. John didn't know what to do, so he lifted his skateboard like a weapon. A heavy metal tune blasted through his earbuds. The man in the hoodie stopped just out of reach of the makeshift weapon. There was a tense moment, and the man mimed, taking off the headphones. John popped the earbuds from his ears and the music disappeared. Gord, the man said. His voice seemed very familiar. You know that listening to music too loudly and headphones can do damage to your ears. John didn't put the skateboard down. Why do I think you're not here for a PSA? 
You're the one that contacted me. Remember? You saw the girl in the plaid skirt. At first, John didn't know what the guy was talking about. And then it all came back to him. He remembered the video. The man in the hoodie was the same voice as the guy from the video. He was talking to the Bernstein Bears nuts. John put down the skateboard and the crazy guy was just probably harmless. Uh, <laughs> at least, if, it, if he wasn't a mall cop. How'd you find me? John asked. You're lucky I found you at all. You wouldn't return any of my emails. Emails? I sent you like 20 emails. I don't really check my email. Don't check your... Don't, don't check your email? You, you don't check email? The guy was really wigging out. John looked around and no one really noticed them or the sprout out mall cop. But that wouldn't last for long. Come on, John said. You can tell me on the way. Where are we going? The hoodie man said. Anywhere but here. John said. Alright, that was Tuners Chapter 4. If you need to hear the previous chapters, you can always go ahead and listen to the previous episodes of Aaron's Horror Show. And you will hear the other Tuners episodes. Uh, Ryan Denmark, thank you for coming last week. If you're listening, buddy, I'm glad you came on the show. I thought it was a great conversation. And also, don't forget about the other stuff in the Real Paranormal Activity Network. In fact, you got on Monday's Real Paranormal Activity ghost stories told by you the listening audience uh you have aaron's horror show on tuesdays yep me you're already listening i know you know what the show is about and then you have terry's mysterious moments on wednesdays uh terry's mysterious moments great fun with lots of different it's a it's a good variety show of all your strange head scratchers anyways Thank you for listening, and if you want to go ahead and follow me, I got Twitter, Aaron's Horror Show, or Aaron Horror Show. They didn't allow me to have that extra S. Too many letters. And then you have Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook, and then Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com. Please go ahead and send me an email. Ask me a question. I'm happy to answer any of your questions here on the podcast. I love a little research topic. And thank you for listening. And what's that? Is that a zombie beaver? <laughs>
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.